This is from 2 Thessalonians. This is the second letter that Paul has written to these believers. They must have been an amazing church because Paul says more warm, connective, loving things to this group of people who obviously were so excited about their faith, and Paul is acknowledging this. And this is in the first chapter of the second letter. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to, to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. To this end, we also pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This theme of being worthy is used six times by Paul in his letters to the, to the churches. But it is used three times to this little church in Thessalonica, to these Thessalonian believers, they must have had a very special place in Paul's heart, and he talks about why. In his first letter to them, he said, I want you to remember how I exhorted you and encouraged and implored you as a father that you would walk worthy of the God who calls you. And then he says in that first letter, Paul said, he told them that we are constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfast hope in Jesus. And then here in this second letter, he says that God will count them worthy twice in this letter because they have persevered in their faith and they have become eager to extend God's goodness to all who are around them. And it is in this last reference about being worthy of God's calling that I want us to focus on today. It's part of Paul's prayer for these Thessalonians, these inspiring believers. Paul prays two things for them. First, he prays that they will fulfill every desire for goodness and they will fulfill every work of faith. And then the second thing that he prays is that not only would they fulfill every desire for goodness and work of faith, but that God would fill it with power or energy in what they are seeking to do. Both motives and actions find their source in God. 
Paul said the same thing to the Philippian church, but he said it in this way. He says, for God is at work in you both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. That God is working to give you your want to and then help you want to do it. To understand this even better, I want you to look because the different translators and people have labored to really bring this, these thoughts out. If you will turn in your bulletin over to the sermon notes page, which I know most of you have never seen, um, <laughs> but I hope that you do because, you know, one day there's going to be an exam, okay? Um, <clears throat> so here is the New International Version the J.B. Phillips version, and then Eugene Peterson's The Message uh, version. Listen to this. He says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you. Now, the this in mind is, a couple verses I skipped, is he speaks about God bringing justice because of those who's persecuted him, and then he gives this wonderful statement. He says uh, that when Jesus comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at for our testimony to you was believed and then he adds with this in mind we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith skip down Phillips, in this view of this grace prospect, we pray for you constantly that God will thank you worthy of this calling and that he will affect in you all his goodness desires to do and that your faith makes possible. You hear that? God is the one placing a desire to do good and then he is energizing your faith to enable you to do that good. And he says, we pray this in the name of Lord Jesus Christ that it may become more glorious through you and that you would share something of his glory. Now listen to how Peterson gives it. Because we know that this extraordinary day of Jesus coming is ahead, we pray for you all the time. We pray that God will make you fit for what he's called you to be and pray that he will fulfill your good ideas and acts of faith with his own energy so that it amounts to something. If your life honors the name of Jesus, he will honor you. Grace is behind and through all of this our God giving himself freely and the master Jesus Christ giving himself freely. This is amazing. And Paul then closes that out. Why does God do this? Very easily. He says that, that our prayers have this purpose that Jesus would be glorified and be glorified in you and the actions and that you take and that you in him would also delight that Jesus has been glorified.
The ultimate purpose of prayer and faith is that God will be glorified. We don't pray just to get what we want. We pray to get glory for God, however he chooses to answer our prayers. And the most amazing thing about this is that we get to participate in the result. Paul is reminding and praying for them that as they, as they would realize that what they purpose and think and desire to do is coming from God and that he then will, by faith, as they act on it, make it happen in some way and in some form. And we get to experience that very power of God at work. It's, it's, it's simply amazing. Especially when we think, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. And the Lord says, I know that. But just go. And I'll do it. You go. You try. And I'll make something happen. That's exactly what faith is. So John Stott, in looking at this passage, says that purpose and faith are both attitudes of mind and heart. And therefore, Paul prays that God will fulfill both of what you're thinking and what you desire with his power that brings forth good deeds and the glory to God. God works in us to create a desire and a resolve to do good things, just like that's what he created us for. And then he energizes to make it happen. Jesus put it this way, even more succinctly. He says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And what he means by that is a life that is filled with an abundance of overflowing good. Because God is good. And God is love. We're told that. And our lives are to be abundant sources of that for the world around us. Even Spurgeon said, to live life abundantly is to live life generously. Not calculating an immediate return, but trusting in the future rewards that he gives us. So what, what is generous faith? It is faith that motivates generous living. And what do I mean by that? The Proverbs help us here. Proverbs 14, 11, or 24, excuse me, 11, 24 says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. This is that interesting. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Generous people generate. Generous people make things happen by faith. And they happen because God energizes it, and something changes. And this is what Paul is praying for, that they will have a generous faith. Even better, a creative generosity. So how do we develop that? For most of us, when we hear the word generosity, we stop at one thought, and that's money. That's where we stop. Well, I don't have a lot of money, so... You know, I try to be as generous as I can, but I don't have a lot of money. And that's exactly where Satan wants you to stay. But this is not at all what Paul is praying here. Oh, it's part of it, for sure. 
But God has generously given us everything we have. Everything we have belongs to him anyway. And he's given it to us that we will use it wisely. Wisely for the needs of our family. Wisely for the needs of educating yourself. Wisely for the needs uh, of, of those around you. And wisely and generously for those who have need. And when we do those things, we find it brings a tremendous amount of satisfaction that we're being faithful stewards of what we've been given. And the great example of this is what each one of you have responded to so wonderfully of being a part of the Extend campaign. And this big hole that we see out here, or the hole I keep hoping we'll, I'll see, um, hadn't, hadn't happened yet, but every day I walk by here and look over the fence and what more is happening, uh, but it's coming, it's coming, and, uh, and it's going to get worse before it gets better, that's for sure. But each one of you, what a wonderful thing. What, look what has been generated out of your generosity. You know, whether you gave huge amounts of dollars or where you said, I've got $10 I can give, and God says, wonderful, thank you, thank you. I bless you for that. I would hope every one of you have participated in some way. And we have a, a little more to raise right towards the end. And I hope you've watched, if you go out in the hall out here, the new interior video that now has been created by the architects that shows every room and every aspect of the new buildings. It's, it's incredible. It's just, it just gets you so excited. You, end up standing there much longer than you're supposed to. But it's great. But I want you to notice something, what Paul says in this passage. He says, may God fulfill every desire, every desire and every resolve that you make to do something good. Every resolve. And then he promises that when you step out and try it, he says, I will give it power. Not necessarily power you feel, but power that you might see or later hear later on what is going on. Generous faith is far more than money. It is a generous way of living. And God wants us to be creative with our generosity. Let me give you some examples. Have you ever thought about being generous with prayer? God hears every prayer you pray. There is not a single prayer that is wasted. Even though the answer hasn't come or maybe it's been delayed, doesn't mean it hasn't been heard. Every prayer is recorded in the royal archives of heaven and every prayer will be answered in some way at some time in some, in some, in some possible way. Every prayer is heard, and God is pleased with your praying because you're praying by faith, and faith pleases God, and especially when you're praying for others. I was thinking recently of one of our missionaries who lives in a big city, and he travels by train and bus, and he says, every morning when I get on the bus and then get on the train, he said, I watch people getting on and off the bus until I see a face that reminds me of someone back here in Dallas, someone in PCPC, and then I pray about that person. 
You realize that he's been praying for many of you because he's been here since the church started. Wow. You're being lifted up before God and you don't even know it because he's being generous with his praying and his time. I think about one group of students that I knew about when I was in school and they resolved because they got worried about uh, relatives who were not believers. And so they resolved, they made a list of every person in the group who had unbelievers, they listed their names, and they resolved to pray for each one of those unbelievers during the school year. And after nine months, 27 people came to Christ because they resolved to pray. Now, that was not easy prayer. It was prayer every day for nine months. They committed to it. They circled it and circled it and circled it. And God energized that with power and brought 80, uh, 27 people to Christ. Wouldn't you like to see that happen? Don't you all have unsaved believers? Usually all you've got to go is to your Thanksgiving dinner, right? We've got them there. Jesus said, where two or three of you gather together and agree on any one thing, I will do it. Doesn't mean he'll do it instantly, but some way, somehow, at some time, he will do it because he's promised that he would. A friend recently shared another great idea with me. Every Christmas card and birthday card that I receive, I put in a box on my kitchen table. And my birthday comes a little after Christmas, so I'll get, you know, friends' cards and stuff like that. I put it in that box, and then after that season or that time, I pull out one every day at breakfast, and I pray for that family. And I pray for every person that's listed on that card. I have prayed for many of you over and over and over because someone gave me the idea of a generous prayer at breakfast. You see? Don't throw away your Christmas cards. Pray for them. That you've got them. You've got a picture of them, right? They always look their best, don't they? Kind of sickening sometimes, isn't it? But you want to pray for them. That's your opportunity to be generous in praying. God is giving each one of us prompts to pray regularly. And I can say that with confidence. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that, God, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared, it says, beforehand that we should, meaning we might not walk in them. Are we listening to the prompts that come to us? Mark Batterson tells the story of a journalist, her name was Lisa, that went to work for a church in Birmingham at what they call their dream center. And it was a place that worked with 
like Mercy Street that works with needy people, hungry people, street people, and what have you. And he tells this story. He said, I was there on a tour, and Lisa, this girl, talked about their daily dependence on God to meet the overwhelming needs in their community. And she said, it takes hard work and hard prayer. Then she told us about one, a miracle that she'd experienced. She said, one day when she was circling, walking around the Dream Center praying, she felt the Holy Spirit prompting her to take her woolly socks to work. She said, that was the most absurd thing I had ever thought. And she said, but I couldn't get over the impression to do so. So I went home and I got my woolly socks and I put them in my purse, came back to work, and as the place was opening, she said, there was a woman that had fallen asleep at the door waiting for us to open. She was a prostitute. And here she says, she was literally passed out on the doorstep. Lisa opened the door, carried her inside, cradled her in her arms until she regained consciousness a few minutes later. She was so cold, she was shaking, that when Lisa asked her, she said, if there's anything I could do for you, what would it be? And she said, I need some woolly socks. Lisa said, I just about lost it. As she told me the story, she started tearing up, and then I started tearing up, and Lisa then said, look what I have, and she pulled the woolly socks out of her purse, and the woman looked up and said, wow, they even match my outfit. <laughs> Amazing. Prompted to just take something to work, not knowing why. God is great not because nothing is too big for him. God is great because nothing is too small for him. The reason many of us miss the miracles is that we aren't looking and listening. The easy part of prayer is talking. It's much harder to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. It's much harder looking for the answers, but two thirds of praying hard is listening and looking. How generous are you with your prayers? If the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, if his mercies never come to an end, but they are new every morning, then that means that God is pouring out grace and energy for you to use, not to keep, every day. Are you passing that steadfast love, that mercy? Are you asking and looking, God, how can I do that? One of my favorite quotes of Batterson, he says this, you can be guaranteed that 100% of the prayers you do not pray will not be answered. You can be guaranteed 100% of the prayers you do not pray will not be answered. That means you want to be generous. You ought to be throwing so many prayers up there because you never know what God is going to do and how he's going to bless. Not only generous praying, think about generous hospitality. Do you open your home for God's purposes? 
You know, last Friday, Chris and Sarah Marson brought international students from SMU. They came here excited about eating American food, and then they learned about why we celebrate Thanksgiving. They're so eager to meet Americans and find out how we live. Being hospitable is one of God's great desires for his people. It's even required of his leaders so that they will model it. Think about generous volunteering. Jesus said, I, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life for many. Volunteering like boxes of blessings. Ask God to increase your desire to use your time for his glory and then watch how he energizes you. Recently, one of our, some of our members with MBAs went over to Senegal to help uh, young entrepreneurs learn how to establish a business plan. And now there are scores of businesses thriving in Senegal because they've learned how to, how to do business and how to plan for it, market for it, and get their supplies and what have you. Because some of our NBAs went over and generously shared the knowledge that they had. The generous life is giving what you already have. Think of the ways that God has blessed Reed and Ellen Porter and Acts. Think of the ways he's blessed Trey and Melissa Hill when they started Mercy Street. Think of Bill Dotson and Joanne with Abiding Fathers, all out of our church. Those ministries at one time were just a simple desire, just a thought. What if? Where did that come from? It came from God because he prompts our faith. And now thousands and thousands of people have been blessed only through those three ministries, not mentioning any of the others. What about generous friendship? Can you give some friendship to the lonely, to the shut-in, to the widows, to the singles who come for the first time to our city and they don't know anything about Dallas? Maybe we probably shouldn't share too much, but at any rate, they need to know. And wouldn't they love it to be taken to lunch and just show the love of Christ and told about our church? Think about generous wisdom. Are you generous with your wisdom? The older generation, you know more than you'll ever, than some of the younger people will ever dream of knowing. Are you sharing it with them? Recently, I was with a group of young men. I said, how many of you would like an older mentor? And the hands went up everywhere. I couldn't even count all of them. I'm sure it was 100%. Yes, I need to know about how to get through this life. And then one last one, generous attention. Are you giving generous attention to God? God taught me this early in my life. And it was one of the times that the Spirit prompted me. I've never been able to forget but I was a student at the University of Texas. I came to Christ there. And um, it truly is a, was a hotbed of faith, you know. But <laughs> I did come to Christ there. And I had a job. I was working for the state senate. I worked seven nights a week. And I had to close the senate chamber at 11 o'clock. And my wife Harriet was in the sorority. And her sorority closed at 1130. 
And I knew every corner, every street, how long every light was, how which alley could get me there the fastest, and I could get to her sorority house in 12 minutes. And then we had 18 glorious minutes together out in front of the fraternity house, lined up with all the other cars too. <clears throat> One night I'm leaving, and the Lord just prompted me and said, Pete, I wish you wanted 18 minutes with me like you want with Harriet. And it broke my heart. I thought, Lord, wow, you know, you're a person. You feel, you desire, you love. You're more than a person, obviously, but you're no less than a person. You want our attention. What attention are we generously giving to our God? God places these desires in our heart and urges us by faith to act on them so that we will glorify him. In this season of thanksgiving and gratitude for all that God has done for us, what will you resolve to do by faith? Because I can guarantee you he's prompting something in you. Are you listening? What is he prompting? by grace, to glorify him. Ask God to give you new desires to express his goodness to this divided world because it's only the love of God seen in the good works and deeds of his beloved children that's going to make any difference. Perfect love casts out all fear and fear is what divides us. We all desire to walk worthy of God's calling. Ask God to make you generous with his grace and then experience the incredible energy that he gives. Remember, God always has a holy surprise up his sovereign sleeve. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you call us to be a very part of your good work on this earth. Good in sharing our faith. Good in uplifting Jesus at the right time. Good in packing boxes of blessings. Good in serving in so many wonderful ways. What a privilege, Lord. Oh, Father, may there be greater joy and greater surprises in these days leading up to Christmas and far beyond because we have listened to the desires that you are prompting us to resolve to do and then to act on and trust you to do things far greater than we ever dreamed. In Christ's name, amen.